0: Pursuit of Balance Podcast is brought to you by Mistakes Make Memories, and is recorded at the Triple M Recording Studio. As Bob Ross once famously said, we don't have mistakes, only happy accidents. There's something about the serendipity of life that can only be experienced through living each day as they come. Some of the best stories in our lives, a few of our greatest memories, as well as the foundations of the people we are today. Come as mistakes in the moment, but as we live on and reflect, we realize each experience is a vital aspect of our lives. With that said, we want to share our message and experience with the world. We hope you enjoy and have something to take away from each episode. There may be viewer discretion advice. Sometimes arousal, of emotion may come in, and topics may invade personal biases. Each experience and point of view. Have something that can be learned from. Freedom is something that needs to be cherished and praised, not feared and have a weariness and anxiousness about it. Expressing one's own thoughts, opinions, and experiences as part of this life's experience. Hey, thank you for joining us here in the Pursuit of Balance podcast. We hope you enjoy listening and join us for more episodes in the future. Thank you. How you done? Thank you. I
1: did one yesterday, and it was a total shit show. Really. Oh shit!
2: Yeah, is this like a series? Then that I saw.
1: Yeah, okay. yeah, you're gonna be the first episode. Oh really? Yeah. Okay, cool. Like, we're kicking it off. We're kicking it off. Fuck yeah! Pursuit of Balance podcast. Is it starting? It's starting.
2: Okay, cool. <laughs> 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 I'm with Aaron Goodburn.
1: Hello. How long have we known each other? Um, it's, it's a four. Five, five, it's eight, a while. Eight,
2: seven years. Sixth grade, right? Oh fuck! My math is wrong. Three, seven, eight, nine, ten. What?
1: Ten years. Ten years? That's crazy. It is.
2: Lots of changes.
1: Yeah. Our brothers, or your stepbrother and my brother, played baseball. And. Yep. Yeah, that was that was a crazy. The first time I like fully met <gasps> you was in the hallway. You came up to me. You're like, "Are you on my brother's baseball oh, team?" Yeah, Shanahan. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well,
2: because your dad coached the baseball team, mm-hmm. and so honestly, I might have known them. Earlier than sixth grade. Because when did he start doing that?
1: Maybe like fourth.
2: Yeah, low key. Because yeah. I mean, I was like, I knew Landon since like third grade. Oh, wow. So, damn. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> All right. We were just talking about mushrooms out there, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. I've been researching those. Really? Yep. Uh, Paul Stamets, he's like huge mycologist, right? Mm-hmm. And he got into him like the seventies and basically he has this theory of everything being as one and mushrooms kind of go into that, mm-hmm. um, as like the, the networks that speak to like the nature networks and like the divine oneness and the divine, like mother one of nature. And Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mushroom- can,
2: you can definitely see that. Cause doesn't it, it connects a lot of like, um, I guess you would say just like a sleep, like connections in your brain, mm-hmm. like your brain lights up so much on
1: shrooms. It does
2: compared to just normal, and we only use like ten percent of it anyway. So I wonder.
1: Yeah. So how. new uh, neurons are firing, and just new connections are able to be made that way. Yeah. Yeah. But in nature, um, mycelium is what forms the mushrooms, right? And their mycelia uh, networks underneath the ground, and they can communicate instantaneously. Mm. Like as soon as one neuron finds a, uh, you know, like a new food source or new nutrients or something, instantly it starts sending cells over there, and it can expand and can absorb that.
2: That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything's talking under the ground. All the trees are talking to each other too. Yeah, it's just like. Insane. Like trees are like I mean I guess this would go for mushrooms too, but just like if things are around different things, even though there's like an element of competition, Mm. they all like trade like nutrients and shit. So am I allowed to cuss on here? Yeah. All right, cool. They like trade and they like help each other. It's it's really cool.
1: Yeah. Mushrooms actually have a part in that um I can't remember the name right now, but it's it's like um a symbiotic relationship. Where so a mushroom will grow with a tree mm-hmm. and then it'll communicate with that tree or with that plant. Mm-hmm. Um and there was this one study where they put uh, mycelium in a pot. Uh there was a constant that didn't have the mycelium. There's like five plants and then there was another one that did. And they put this disease, um, aphids I think it was, or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And After a while, like all five of them started developing this thing where it would like go against the aphids and it would not allow that disease to come in.
2: Oh, that's cool! And then it didn't do that in the control.
1: Yeah, it didn't do that. It just got uh, devoured by by the aphids.
2: Dang! Yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, I mean it's crazy because like you don't think of like mushrooms as having necessarily like consciousness to make decisions like that, Hmm. but somehow like. If it's, a, if it's a decision or not, the the effect is still the same, which is interesting. Like, is it a decision? Mm-hmm. Or, like, is it... Like, what is it if they don't have consciousness, but they can, like, do that for themselves? They can. It's interesting. It poses... I've, I've been learning about consciousness this semester. Oh, yeah. And it, it it's a very interesting concept. Like, m- the mind-body problem. Like, mm. what is your mind and what is your body? Are they the same? Are they different? Are they... Like, how are they connected? Like, are they different entities? Like what is it? Is it, is it physical? Is it all physical? Is it mental? Is it both? Is, does everything like work for a function? Like functionalism is like input for an output. Mm. Um, and there's like a bunch of different theories of like, what has consciousness? What defines what what is consciousness? What has the ability to have consciousness, which is a question after you define it, Mm. but it's hard to define. It is.
1: It's not a very clear line. Mm. And yeah, a lot of people to debate that yeah I almost feel like it's just the awareness or like being able to separate like yourself from something like mm-hmm. obviously like you're having these thoughts but like the thoughts aren't you maybe and right yeah the thoughts aren't you know? <laughs> the thoughts and like your
2: you. emotions necessarily aren't you either hmm. you just have emotions that are fleeting and um,
1: you're conditioned to some of them and yeah changing that conditioning can open up your world yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah it's really it's interesting. There, there is physical stuff, right? Your body's physical, your brain is physical, but then it acknowledges that there's also things that are like intangible happening. So like mental states, mm. um, which it doesn't solve the mind-body problem at all, but it, it poses interesting questions about like the 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 inter- the relationship between like our physical life on Earth and then like our mental lives, like. In our heads
3: Mm.
2: But it's 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 really it's it's interesting I don't know Yeah
1: that sounds super interesting It's thought-provoking for sure Yeah It starts uh sending those questions and
2: It's like what are we and like For animals for instance like They have consciousness but Like we don't know the extent of it Mm -hmm. And like how do we assign consciousness to like Certain animals and how does that lead into empathy and how does that lead to, like, us valuing their lives? Um, does consciousness determine, like, the value of a life? Does it not? If they can't, if, if something can't think something through, like, does it matter as much? Mm. It, it, it's really interesting. Um, yeah, it is. And then it also, like, for free, like, talking about consciousness and free will, it's like, yeah. if we're conscious, if we do, ha- do we have free will? If We're conscious Mm. Um,
1: because there's that life force going through us that's telling us something, right? Right. Is it actually your free will? Right.
2: And then if we don't have free will, then how can anyone blame anyone for doing anything, right? Like, Mm. if if I were to go out and like kill someone, and I could claim that I don't have free will (laughs) because something—it's determinists—is the the term for people that think we don't have free will. There's like hard determinism. Um, determinism and then like compatib- compatibilism um but yeah so basically hard determinists would think that you can't blame that person because there's everything that's set to happen is already set to happen because of the things that came before it, it's it's interesting yeah that is but all of these like things kind of relate to each other like consciousness mm. and opening up new lines of consciousness and i don't know yeah
1: I mean, mushrooms definitely have uh, that consciousness effect. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, awaken something inside of each of us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been looking in the hermeticism. I don't know if you're uh, spiritual or anything, but On um, a path. the first law of hermeticism, uh, the natural law is mentalism. So whatever you perceive in your mind is kind of what you see in this realm. Mm-hmm. So like if you are having negative thoughts, then you're going to have negative thoughts experiences and negative like it's it's all tied in together yeah so that that kind of goes into like almost the exact opposite of what you're just talking about with the um what was it determinism determinism yeah yeah
2: that's interesting Mm -hmm. so can you say that again
1: hermeticism
2: yeah like what is that is that like a like
1: it's a ancient uh Occult teaching, okay. um, which
2: literally is all religion. So anyway,
1: <laughs> but it its roots are in uh, Greek, but before that, it even went back to the Egyptians, hmm. and before that, it's theorized that it could have been in Atlantis. Wow. So yeah, yeah. so it's got some history. It's got some history, and
2: well, that kind of goes perfectly in today's topic with about perspectives. Hmm. Like if you have, if you ch- wanted to change that perspective, could you change the output of your life? True. Sure. Like, how powerful is that in that, in hermeticism?
1: Yeah, so with hermeticism, there's also this thing called alchemy. where. It's I
2: read that book. You read alchemy? Yeah, or The Alchemist. The Alchemist? Yes.
1: Okay, so you know about, like, the seven stages?
2: Um, It, it wasn't, I don't know, I didn't say that explicitly. Oh, okay. It, the book was about, um like, taking, you go through a journey, and, like, everything's, like, symbolism and stuff, but it, it's really cool, and. it's about finding a treasure but
1: oh and that treasure is your your pure soul basically yeah yeah. it's a good book so like through that alchemy then like that's how you change the inner workings of your yourself and that's Mm -hmm. how you get in tune with your higher self and your true self um but there's seven metals and the first step is like calcination so you heat up the metals the first one's lead and you turn this lead this poison inside of you into something that can help you and which the poison would be like your past experiences, traumas, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And through meditation and through that deep working, you evolve with each step.
3: That's
2: cool. Yeah. So what's the seventh medal?
1: The, the seventh like, medal is, I believe it is gold.
2: Mm. What does that symbolize? It's
1: pureness and... Like nirvana? Almost nirvana, yeah. Okay. Nirvana's we were there. talking
2: about, I was talking about nirvana last night with my roommates.
1: Oh yeah? Mm-hmm. Kurt Cobain?
2: Nirvana, as in you've reincarnated so many times mm. that you, your soul is like an all-knowing entity and you've like basically like learned everything you can. Because we were talking about how that fits into religion and like um, spirituality as a whole and like how that doesn't necessarily i mean i guess you could you could crunch nirvana and the concept of it into any box you want to fit religion but mm. we we're talking about how that fits into like astrology and stuff um mm-hmm. with like what you're what you need to know in this lifetime
1: yeah what experiences you need to <laughs> learn from
2: <laughs> sorry <laughs> i was like working last night and i couldn't stop with could dry coffee it's so annoying.
1: you're Wait. still working at the pizza place yeah is it awesome mm, no not anymore
2: no, I'm gonna quit. I actually just applied to another job last night. Oh well. But
1: what is your major again?
2: My major is English, professional and hmm. writing and rhetoric. Um, I have a minor in environmental studies and sociology.
3: That's true.
1: Um,
2: yeah, I got to start studying for the LSAT this next month.
3: Oh whoa! I know
1: LSAT. Fuck. Is Z- that law school? Law. School. <laughs> oh, law school. Yeah,
2: but in in in. In, this t- in light of this topic, mm-hmm. it was interesting because I was looking at my, like, a- astrological chart. Okay. And, like, there's, like, different houses. And, like, the different houses mean different things. Um, <coughs> and my third house has, like, the most of my stuff in it. Like, all my signs basically. And the third house is, like, communication. Hmm. Which is interesting because, like, that's what I, what I t- like, that's writing. Communication is writing, reading, researching speaking positive change like we we're maybe gonna talk about in a little bit yeah um even this podcast right now just like heavy on the c- communication like learning that like communication is gonna influence like a lot of like what I learned in this life
1: yeah definitely
2: but it is interesting to see like the concept of reincarnation and like why you would reincarnate mm-hmm. yeah language is limiting too mm-hmm. but it's also like expansionary at the same time mm. like it's like double-edged sword. Like, yeah, you can only say so much, but you can also say so much. <laughs> like, words are so powerful. Um, and, like, it's interesting to see, like, how you can make your sentences more powerful. And, like, if you put, like, the subject really close to the verb, it's mm-hmm. going to automatically be, like, a more powerful statement. Um, It's just, like, interesting how you can, like, move them, move words around, like, puzzle pieces to... To get a certain message across, um, to eliminate some type of misconception, um, whatever. But
1: so, just moving like a certain word closer to the verb,
2: a subject, subject, a subject closer to the verb. To the um, it kind of like at least in um, what I've done a lot this when I've been in college is uh, like environmental activism through writing or like social activism through writing. Um, so, if you're trying to create characters, um, like. For instance, um, we were writing in, um, an op ed on Middletown, Ohio. Um, they have a really bad pollution problem from like their industrial um, like mm-hmm. basically just industrial base that is Middletown, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were trying to create like a hero villain, or like a victim perpetrator. Complex in the writing, okay. Um, and it was like these industrial companies. Um, I'm gonna name them out, fuck you, AK Steel, um, Sun Coke all those places. Um, Sunco, so yeah, but they like the Coke plant is there. Um, Coca Cola, no, like the Coke plant for um making steel. Oh. Ah. so um, it, it was a couple other companies, AK or I guess Cleveland Cliffs just bought AK Steel. Um, but it's basically the largest flat rolled steel mill in North America. Uh, yeah, it's huge, and that's where it is. Um, and
1: and it it pollutes the area around it. Oh yeah, just from what the process is to create that, or.
2: Uh, t- Well, that's bringing up other things. They have, like, the same thing in other countries, and it creates, like, half the amount of emissions. Um, They can do steel in a cleaner way. It's just more expensive, so they choose not to. Of course. Um, But, yeah, they, like, had to buy a whole street because benzene leaked into all the houses. Um, There's been, like, um, in one of our community partners, I think, like, seven people in her family. They've all lived there for, like, generations, all died of the same type of cancer. Um, just like crazy stuff so we're trying to like create like a little like the residents are the victims right Mm -hmm. they're getting taken advantage of by these companies um and so when you're talking about the companies you move the name or the word steel plant because you can't you can't call them out for legal reasons or whatever but you move that close to whatever verb that you're talking about whatever thing that they're doing in the sentence and it creates just like a more powerful impactful sentence to the listener or the reader
3: interesting but,
2: yeah, I mean, language is cool. Language is, it's cool. And, like, we definitely could create, I mean, a more complex language. The English language doesn't really make that much sense, yeah. like, logically. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I think, I think it's whales that have the most complex mm. language in the world.
1: Through their echolocation? And yeah. The like,
2: they can talk to a whale on the other side of the world. Wow. Yeah. Whales are crazy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, speaking of whales, fucking 235 got beached back in August, right? Where? Uh, I think off the coast of Australia.
2: Oh, I yeah. may have heard about that. I'm yeah. not sure the details, though.
1: I don't know the details either, but it's pretty scary. Um, it doesn't happen, like, every year, but it happens More sometimes. frequently now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been looking into the... Uh, magnetosphere and the electromagnetic field of this earth oh yeah and that might come into play with how the whales are navigating through their oceans because mm-hmm. um, like at the bottom of the ocean <laughs> where the crust is there's like this metallic that kind of like guides them where they're going right mm-hmm. and that's how they know how to journey across the fucking world right um get
2: to their one specific breeding ground their breeding ground yeah yeah that's crazy So, what have you, like, learned about that?
1: Um, That it could possibly actually be weakening? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. I don't
2: know much about it, though.
1: Yeah, in 2000, NASA came out, which, I don't know if you agree with NASA 100% all the time. Um, They've been, gotten a couple of things over the years, but they said over the past 150 years, it's gone down at least 10%. Oh, shit. And then... Uh, this European uh, space agency, so ESA, uh, in 2010, they came out and said that it was down 5% from 2000 to 2010. Oh, from the original report. From 2000 to 2010. So in 10 years, one decade, it dropped 5%. Half of what
2: it did in 150 years. Damn. Yeah. I wonder what impacts that. What affects that?
1: Um, I think it's like... The humans, yeah. like, obviously, the carbon the emissions. everything. We can get into this later, but the electromagnetic field kind of moves in, like, this non rhythmic pattern. And when compared, like, in the macro, like, we've kind of seen this over time and time again. It happening. Uh, the weakening, I should say. Uh, each day, like, the strength of the magnetic sphere is kind of... You know in this ebb and flow state like some days it's going to be stronger and some days it's going to be weaker but overall right now it's not being able to rejuvenate itself back to its full strength
2: dude we're fucking a dog out there yeah
1: we yeah we really are
2: we are in the name of capitalism too
1: in the name of capitalism and the ego yeah that's it at the end of the day like we used to be so much more in tune as a society. Yeah. and we lived.
2: We're so estranged. We are. We're, we basically created a fake world for ourselves to live in. Mm-hmm. With, like, I don't know. It This issue com- came up um, in, the, like, talking about climate change with the the theory of, like, ecofeminism um, and how we're the people who are making the decisions about how we're going to mitigate climate change, how we're going to stop what we've created. They're coming from I mean they're coming from like white old men sitting on Capitol Capitol Hill. Right. They're not coming from the people that are on the front lines of climate change, mm-hmm. uh, which are mostly women, um, because women work mostly in like agricultural fields. Um women are like uh very I guess like I don't know the exact statistic but they're much more at risk for climate change like fatality than men uh-huh. um, and and that comes down to like the patriarchy and like the assigned gender roles and stuff like women um, th- that are assigned whatever um, but it, it's interesting like it's if we listen to them, if we listen to the people that were actually like knew what was going on, like listen to the people that like had to deal with the effects every day, were in the most threatened position,
3: mm.
2: we we would have the most innovative ideas. Yeah. Um. But yeah. because it doesn't necessarily help capitalism, it doesn't help economic growth. It actually helps us as a society. Mm. It's deemed like we're not doing that. Um, we're not going to give that thought. Right. Because.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah it doesn't make the money. But, like, there's also this division that has been created by a facade. And I'm generalizing here, but people, like, can't see a purpose in life without capitalism. And so, like, moving past this division that has been created by this society and those who hold the power, in quotations, like, moving past this would be, like, almost the opposite of capitalism. You're going to be losing...
2: socialism. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, you're helping everyone.
1: You're helping everyone. And that's kind yeah. of... Everyone's well, a free
2: rider. Which, that's what capitalism hates. Yeah. Free riding. But everyone's a free rider. I mean, if you make something that... I don't know. We're
1: don't not know. ready for that yet.
2: No, we got to take baby steps before we can get there. Yeah. One can dream, though.
1: Yeah, but the other impact that um, the electromagnetic field is getting waned wind on is the sun. Like, I don't know how much you know about the sun's impacts, but... There's this thing called uh, solar radiation. Mm -hmm. There's solar storms, Mm -hmm. and there's um, emissions that come from these giant balls that, like, the surface of the sun is emitting, coronal holes, which push these particles out, and the EMF field of the earth is supposed to be able to, like, reflect those and not let those in, which...
2: That's the ozone, right?
1: uh no the electromagnetic field oh shit yeah which is like a mile above the earth i think okay so it creates uh, the magnetism of the the core and because it's metal it's metal but it's also liquid <laughs> on the inside there's like four uh things that have to happen but with the sun eventually like it's just beating down on the earth right mm. and then the earth is getting weaker with its field and so maybe it can't resist those emissions as much, or Just solar storms, something or else. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's crazy.
1: And both of those together—the carbon emissions and the sun—at the same time, it's like we're trying to ramp up the process for some reason.
2: Yeah. Somehow, the end of the world always feels really, cl- really close. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it is though. But it's—it's uh, it's interesting too how like society, like the fake world that we've built, like cr- distracts people from that. Mm. Um, it kind of like beats people down and so they're kind of thinking about surviving not necessarily like giving they don't have time to think about that shit they don't have time to research that shit Mm -hmm. and also they um like a lot of sources like I mean I get it through like University of Cincinnati I get my login and shit for all these sources but if you didn't have that like so much gatekeeping with the information Mm -hmm. of like studies and shit like peer reviewed stuff um you can't access that if you're just, like, an any person.
1: Yeah, like, they charge subscriptions on some websites, like, yeah. 50 bucks a month to view these scholar articles yeah. that will give you the true science. and the, Yeah.
2: Yeah, but you got to pay. You have to pay. So if you can't pay, see ya. Yeah. Stay, stay ignorant about this topic that you want to learn about.
3: Yeah, unfortunately. Um, I haven't learned it's much about the to topic of that.
2: censorship. Mm-hmm. Um I heard a lot about it on Twitter regarding like what people can say on Twitter and what people can't say on Twitter. Hmm. Um but again that's a private company, so it's not free speech doesn't really apply there. You're in a private business. It's,
1: you don't have to abide by the 1st
3: amendment.
2: No, they can tell you that you can't say that and they can kick you out of the store or of the like if I went into a fucking dicks right now and i started like yelling tweet like things that people would say on twitter like they would kick me out and that's valid like i'm not i'll just like say that stuff it's a private business um but like censorship on things that are public uh i haven't
1: it's a scary rabbit hole because yeah. like if you start canceling people and you start silencing them then you don't get to hear the perspective and yeah like sometimes you need those perspectives yeah in order to create the balance and to see where the line is and Mm -hmm. to create that line but
3: yeah
2: yeah Yeah. everyone has a different perspective that's for sure
1: yeah and hate speech I mean hate speech is terrible but you can't stop it can you (sighs) like
2: no you can't you can't but I mean you can't stop it you can't stop it but I will say that you can create a climate you can create an environment that's accepting of it or not accepting of it. Mm -hmm. Like you can't stop hate speech, but you can start like bullying the fuck out of people that are bullying other people. Like Mm -hmm. you can start like socially shaming those people that are like spewing hate. You can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but right now I feel like we're in a different climate that you don't necessarily get socially shamed if you do that all the time, depending on where you are. Um, and it's like a lot more acceptable now to like, Say things or do things or think things like some like early 2000s, maybe like 2000. I don't know, I'm gonna pick a year 2008. Okay, no, not 2008, we'll do 2007. 2007, In 2007, I feel like things that people say now would not be acceptable in 2007, certain things.
1: As in, like... Like hate speech. Oh, hate speech.
2: Hate speech, particularly. Okay. Because, like, hate speech has gone up, like, insane since, like, I mean, 2016. Interesting. Um, But, yeah.
1: Just because of the access to social media and that, or...
2: I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Combination. Um, I think leadership um, played a big role. Um,
1: yeah, when you, social have, media. when you have one of your biggest influencers um, in the American's eye... The president just saying these things, yeah, because he wants to, and it's disrespectful. And he can. Yeah, no one's really stopping him. Yeah, um, yeah, it probably enforces and yeah, enhances other people to do the same. It's like, oh, he's doing it. Yeah,
2: I can. He he doesn't like those people either. Neither do neither do I. And he's the fucking president. Like. It just and it, it goes into like the division aspect too. I mean, that's what H Beach does divides yeah. people. Um, and like like we said with like the climate change, we that's the opposite that we need right now. Yeah. Like we need to be unified like unified. the most, but we're not. We're yeah. like in the opposite side.
1: Yeah. Um, with the climate change <laughs> and like the environmental things that happen on this earth, do you think? The mental health could be from all the disasters that we've done to the earth. So, like, the earth is giving back out the energy and it's almost going into the collective consciousness. Yeah. And then it's sickening our own minds and our own way that we feel because we have that disconnection.
2: Yeah, I, I think definitely.
1: Um, I could see that.
3: I
2: think you could look at it more as, like, instead of the earth giving out negative energy you could look at it as we're draining all the positive energy from the earth.
3: Ah, yeah.
2: Like, I don't think the earth inherently has any negative energy. I think that people do and that, which is interesting because I feel like people are the earth or whatever. Mm. Um, How are we connected to that divine one or whatever? That's an interesting caveat as well. But, um, yeah, I, I think that we're we're taking, we're taking, we're taking. We're clear cutting forests. We're overfishing our seas. We're polluting our waterways. We're agricultural runoff. We're we're everything. We're just fucking putting everything. Plastics up. in the ocean. Yeah, we're the ones putting, putting the, the negative energy there. We're draining. We are. the goodness and the life and the divineness, like of the earth. Because like the earth hasn't done it. The earth and and the funny thing about it is like the earth. The earth can withstand volcanic ash. I- asphyxiating everything every life form on earth the earth can withstand having an ice age that like just everything is covered like the earth Mm -hmm. can withstand like all of this shit and we're over here we think that we're like these like big mighty smart individuals the only thing with consciousness and it's just such a small perspective
1: it is it's that ego
2: it is the
3: ego. The ego.
1: I don't know if I said it or not, but the big ego, with a capital E, that's like the life force that is inside of each of us. And that's what keeps us going. That's why I can't hold my breath and die right now, because that life force of the ego, the big ego, is through me. But then through the small ego, which creates this attachment to the material things, to the thoughts that we have, and to uh, conditioning that we've been given through her experiences, that's what creates that negative that is almost a pathological disease, Hmm. which Eckhart totally goes into in this book here. What book is that? A New Earth. Oh. Yeah. What's it about? Uh, Creating this new earth for, I mean, each of us, but also like inside your mind Hmm. and having that new perspective and that new awakening almost.
2: That's cool. It is. Is that the book that talks about the first thing you were talking about that starts with an H? Uh,
1: Hermeticism? Yeah. Mm, No. Oh, different. I mean, it has some hermetic (laughs) teachings, but it also has like Jesus teachings. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Jesus is bigger than himself. Um, He's seen as like this great figure, but he was human at the end of the day. And Mm -hmm. each of us can believe that he could have gotten these through like because he's just like all of us and he has that that fire going through him that Mm -hmm. so he got all the special powers that he did through the practices and the meditations and the spiritual alignment interesting yeah that's cool it is but i'd love to give you an excerpt from this book yeah about the pathological ego yeah The ego itself is pathological, no matter what form it takes. When we look at the ancient Greek root of the word pathological, we discover just how appropriate that term is when applied to the ego. Although the word is normally used to describe a condition of disease, it is derived from pathos, which Mm -hmm. means suffering. This is, of course, exactly what the Buddha already discovered 2,600 years ago, as a characteristics of the human conditioning. A person in the grip of the ego, however, does not recognize suffering as suffering, but will look upon it as only an appropriate response to any given situation. Hmm. And its blindness is incapable of seeing the suffering it inflicts on itself and others. Unhappiness is an ego-created mental, emotional disease that has reached epidemic proportions.
2: That is interesting. So they said, it, which is interesting that they said patho means, um, like hurt,
1: uh, suffering. Oh yeah, which means suffering, pathos.
2: That's super interesting. Patho, or suffering, or disease. Which I'm trying to think of how that relates, like, because pathos is emotion. In, like, English literature, Hmm. you use pathos, you're inflicting emotion. That's interesting. That is. Hmm. Um, So, that's interesting also because they're saying that the ego, so the ego is inherently pathological. Yeah. And if you don't recognize your ego you will continually be in a state of suffering.
1: Yeah, you'll, feed, you'll keep feeding it and you'll keep feeding it and you'll keep feeding it and then it's like a dependency and it's part of you and you mm-hmm. identify so much with it.
2: So what do you think recognizing it does then if you can't get rid of it?
1: Once the awareness is in, then you become aware when it is active and when you are feeding it instead of like not knowing that you're feeding it. So if you subconsciously feed the ego... Then you're going to keep feeling that suffering, essentially. Okay. Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're like you said earlier, if you're working from your past traumas or whatever, you're that's your trauma response. Like that's what they said in the the um, the excerpt you've just read. Like that's what you're going to work from. Work from what you know, yeah. right? Um, so, to be able to be aware of that and kind of change that purposefully and consciously. Mm-hmm it's huge It's interesting yeah
1: yeah it's massive yeah uh and it it happens when we're kids like we start having these attachments through these material objects that our parents give us and Mm -hmm. goes along with capitalism but it goes along with just a lot of stuff as well and yeah it's been around for thousands of years now but like he said in the expert uh the buddha 2600 (laughs) years ago realized this right like
2: I want to learn more about Buddhism. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting.
1: It is. I was meditating before you got here. Yeah? How yeah. do you meditate? Depends. Um, so, <laughs> beyond the house, I built or I cleared out a little space in the forest. Really? Yeah. It's got like a little clearing so I can have like the sun beating down and then like the sh- trees over top for some shade. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a river off to my left. Oh. Yeah. So, you just sit there? I'll just sit there and become grounded and just allow my thoughts groundwork
2: literally (laughs) it's important
1: it is uh just let the thoughts come and let the thoughts go don't become attached to them don't Mm -hmm. let them hurt you or just go back to that inner light and that inner feeling inside of you and feel that presence
2: that's cool yeah it is i have a hard time meditating i don't i can't like just sit and let thoughts like flow through, flow through me like that i like meditate by journaling oh yeah i can't just like i mean i can just sit there but it's harder for me to do that than to just write it down
1: just sitting still is is difficult or just, just
2: sitting still and just trying to be quiet in my mind like mm. i think i've put an emphasis on like the peaceful quiet when not that's not necessarily what meditating is um, yeah. it is what you just described it as as like free th- free flowing and fleeting thoughts and Mm -hmm. emotions um kind of like letting it run through you like the water in the river you're sitting next to yeah but um yeah so i i kind of have to do that by journaling which i've only started doing like for the last year
1: yeah me Um, too i like journaling too um it's good because then you can go back and see it as well yeah Oh, I used to have these thoughts, but look at me now, and right. just having having that down is
2: and like to, to go back and maybe once you've recognized that ego or um, a certain lens that you're working through, mm. to go back after you've uncovered that, and like you can see, like the thought process with that ego or the thought process with that lens. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, that's I'm definitely a type. Definitely. Of, definitely a type of meditation now. journalism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. So are you gonna like keep trying to do like the, the
2: I don't know. I feel like my life's been just like freaking insane recently. Just like I've been busy and like I've had no time to just like sit and just like zen. Yeah. Like fully zen without like substances. <laughs> um That made that sounded bad. I mean without <laughs> weed. Without um, weed. Without <laughs> weed. Not substances, weed. Um but yeah, I don't know. I, I kinda just journal. I would journal like right before I go to bed. Okay. Just like something slight, something a little yeah. nonchalant. But I'm a bad I'm bad at like making time for it for sure. Yeah. But I do feel good after it's like going to the gym. Like you're always gonna feel good after you make time for that. Right. But
1: I've been taking cold
3: showers.
2: Really? Oh, um, yeah, that activates your nervous system, too. I've been learning about the nervous system. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, like, how, um, like, breathing w- when you meditate, how yep. that's, like, so important. Yeah, it's massive. And even focusing on your breathing is, like, a form of meditation. So, like, that's something that I do, um, like, in for four, out for eight. Hmm. Um, and, and like, if you breathe, if you do that, if you breathe for, for long, if you breathe out for longer than you breathe in, you're telling your system your ner- nervous system physically because it doesn't respond to your thoughts right it responds to your behavior okay. so um you can when you're in a survival situation and you're like you're f- fear of fearing for your life you can never breathe out for longer than you breathe in so if you mm. physically make yourself do that and you calm yourself down by that it calms you down because you're telling your body behaviorally that you are okay huh. that you're in a safe space and like um there's like the trauma the vagus nerve um which I don't
1: It's in your neck somewhere. It's in
2: yeah, the back the back. Almost something. like the brainstem. Kind of, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's somewhere back there, I don't know. But um if you breathe in from your chest, your diaphragm like presses on it, which presses on something else, which activates your vagus nerve, which gets you out of your amygdala, which is like mm-hmm. your amygdala is like your your flight, fight, fawn freeze. Like that is your like uh, survival instincts it's okay. your amygdala. So if you activate your vagus nerve by breathing you can get out of that state and then that opens up a new door for you to operate from a different a different origin right like you're taking yourself out of like that habitual instinctual thing yeah and you're putting yourself straight into your consciousness
1: because you can't be in two states at one time
2: right so that's been interesting you can activate your nervous system like that. Um, That's crazy. With the cold showers, that does it too. Um, It does. My therapist told me that sometimes, like, one day or something, I should just look in the mirror and I should just shake uncontrollably. Shake your body. Just, like, go crazy with your body and, like, just, like, totally, like, just go crazy for a minute or two and it, like, reactivates your nervous system too. Because regulating your nervous system is really freaking important for you. Yeah. As a person, but going into that mental, like, well being,
1: mental well being, and also you know, disease wise, sickness wise, yeah, having it not stressed out, not so tense, and
2: not so estranged, maybe too, from the natural stuff, general. Bro, fucked up plastics. Why, why, why are we using plastics? There's so many better, it, it, why, because it's convenient, because it easy. saves money, yeah, it's convenient, it's easy, and it saves money it feels it's it's so interesting how like plastics are like a symptom of like the system that we're working under yeah um and like that's been a really big realization for me the past like three years two and a half years um has been like this like awakening to the systems that we're all complicit under Mm. and we all just accept as truth and like we just like take it um from face value and we just kind of like do it. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, the plastic is fueled by like... Greed. Greed, which is like, again, with the capitalism, it's somehow released to white supremacy, mm. um, patriarchy. Like, it, it's crazy how like the caste system, like all these things are fueled by like that. Mm. So like, materialism, whatever. Um, just small That's things. not necessarily a system, but yeah, yeah, like... We know there's better options. We know that there's better ways to create concrete. We could create concrete out of hemp. Yeah. We could create concrete out of plastic. And that would last longer than the concrete that we're putting down. And Oh, my gosh. Like yeah.
1: And it it's lighter. It's easier to build with.
2: Permeable with rain. Concrete poses a lot of problems. Eco-friendly.
1: Uh, Lasts expands, longer. Expands the market of growing hemp uh, plants.
2: Yeah. Um insane and like fire resistant yeah less upkeep we don't we wouldn't have as much construction
3: yeah
2: um it's cheaper honestly cheaper. probably fucking cheaper because you don't have to go through i mean it's a plant it's it's ever growing like you can grow that shit it's not like you have to keep making that shit you mm. know yeah. um yeah there's there's a lot of better ways to do that but it's like if you didn't like what would all the construction workers do if like we didn't need them because we used like better products we'd have to give them another job probably to do something else, hopefully to advance society. But like yeah. no yeah. one's yeah. going to make that change right now. Yeah, Cause that's
1: especially the way that the construction market is. Like yeah. they made so much money. Yeah. Um, but it all starts with questioning and that's really what got me on the path that I am now. And the, the wanting of balance in the world, in my life mm-hmm. in the people that loves life and every, like every aspect of living is balance, and having questions and asking the right questions to not only yourself but to the environment that's going on around you is going to bring that awareness and to bring other people's like collective, like having the same questions and looking for the answer. wanting the answers. Yeah, yeah and it's going to create change it's going to create a whole bunch of ripple effects just by asking these questions and
2: and being unsatisfied with the answers that you get honestly there you go um and that's why like when people say like no because no it's like why dude like i can question you like i'm not questioning your character i'm questioning your decision like i'm questioning why like that's a valid thing like you should be able to question all authority you should um, I mean, that's why we have a democracy, right? It's for the people, of the people, by the people. Sure. Like, we can question the people that are leading us. And, like, that's valid. We can question our parents. Like, we should be able to question. We should be able to be questioned. Yeah. Because if you're if you're being questioned and you don't have a good answer for what you think, then maybe you need to rethink.
1: You need to re-ask yourself that question. and Yeah. Learn the real answer and the truth. Yeah. And grow from being asked that
2: yeah curiosity they say curiosity kills a cat but curiosity is fucking amazing it is yeah
1: this you can learn so much mm-hmm. the possibilities are endless but backtrack just a few sentences that you said there the um just like the government and the representation of mm-hmm. it right mm-hmm. as as a woman okay mm-hmm. you're not being represented the way that you want to right now. No, and the whole reason that we went to war with Britain was because of taxation without representation. Correct. Like, how do we, how do, how do we implement a change here in that aspect? Um, because like, d- ah, civil wars or yeah, I don't want to. I don't want a civil war. Right. Like that's the last thing I want.
2: Yeah. Um. <laughs> I will play devil's advocate and say that the Civil War was very helpful last time we had that. I mean, it was obviously horrible that we had to have that, but yeah. it was very revolutionary. Um,
1: Emancipation Proclamation. Hell yeah!
2: Like yeah. fuck, fuck yeah! We needed a Civil War. We did. And I don't know. I don't know that we need a Civil War right now, but um, it's interesting that you say as a woman because um, it all comes down to like people. I was at an environmental justice symposium a couple weeks ago, and our keynote speaker, um, she she was a doctor at University of Cincinnati, Um, but and she studied um, public administration, um, and in um, specifically um, uh, like basically indentured servants, like worker in America, Um, and she was she was like the root of everything is. One person valuing someone's life over another—that's the root of all evil. Like so, women's, like men, like in our society right now, with the systems that we operate under, this is not to place guilt on any person, but um, we should be able to talk. Yeah, we should be able to talk about this stuff. Um, Men's life, men's lives—easier. They're at a higher. They're they're more valued more valued. they're more valued in our society i mean if you think about abortion um the choice is not valued the bodily autonomy is not um there um like you can say in cases of rape or incest but then you're not saying that a woman's choice matters like i don't want to have a baby because i don't want to have a baby like that should be valid as it is because it's my body and like it's It's my choice. choice um but i mean that's just a good example of like men and then men and women and then you think about like white people and then like people of color and like minorities in general like white peoples in america at least i can speak to my experience um white people's lives have been proven time and time again to be valued over people of color's lives um and so when you're talking about the positive change that we need to reconcile these like wrongs um it, it's kind of like fuck, right? Because all of this is stemming from the caste system mm. that we have. It's stemming
1: from the ripple down effect.
2: Yeah, and and it's these are not systems that any one person governs. They're systems that we all uphold through actions that we do every single day, through comments we make every single day, through thought processes and biases that we've been conditioned and we've learned mm-hmm. um, in the environment because we grew up in this type of environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you have to start valuing these people, right? You have to start valuing women. You have to start valuing every person mm-hmm. and their opinions um, because one is not better than the other inherently,
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, which is kind of what we're, the basis that we're going off right now with all of these divisionary, like, subcategories and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, one person is not inherently smarter or has more creative or innovative ideas just because of one aspect of themselves. Yeah. Um, so i think you get more representation up there um you get more you get more women you get more people of color um in places where they can represent people like them like right now we have pretty much like white men representation like
1: majority yeah Um, percentage wise it's it's cute. Yeah. yeah,
2: it's crazy. So, um, and that's obviously not helpful because then you're having those people who really are so out of touch with everyone else's problems and everyone else's lives that they're making decisions that are that are counterproductive to everyone else except them.
3: Yeah.
2: And people that fit their demographic. Right. Um, the which then just strengthens the systems. So, it's like, it, it's, a it's, it's not,
1: a... it's not allowing those questions to come into place and to embark that change
2: yeah and the people in power are staying in power by making decisions that keep them in power and then it's it's just a cycle like it's hard to break unless you get some other people up there making some decisions um but yeah i mean it's definitely scary to see like stuff that's happened over the past couple years um relating to women's rights women's rights and um like, I don't know. It, in in intersectionality, have you heard that term? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Inters- this
3: concept. Intersectionality.
2: Intersectionality. Yes. So it's basically the concept. It was um it was created by, fuck, I know this, um, Kimberly Crenshaw. Okay. Um, she was a civil rights advocate, um, and she's like the like she kind of created like critical race theory. Um that's been super controversial um, but intersectionality is basically the idea that we're all there's like this wheel right and we're all being oppressed or lifted up or deemed a certain way in various aspects so like right I'm a woman, but I'm also white. I'm also middle class I'm also femme presenting I'm cisgender i um I don't know there's just a ton of shit like i'm uh, i mean i'm not necessarily a christian now but like i was raised catholic um so like i as a unique person create a unique set of like like we'll just take race and gender i'm a woman so i'm oppressed by the patriarchy but i'm also white so i'm lifted up by white supremacism. So that puts me in a unique spot. And then you add in the fact that I'm Christian or Catholic by, by um, how I was raised. So that adds something. And then you put that I am a female and I'm female presenting. So I'm air quotes around this, like what you would call like socially just like the norm. Like I am socially like the normal for like what people are thinking. Um, And for, like, black women, you put that they're a woman and that they're black, they're oppressed. Like, black women are, like, the most oppressed group. Like, they're they're the most... In, like, they are at risk the most for, like, a lot of things.
1: A lot of things. <coughs> Misinformation, uh, not being represented, and, yeah, definitely. A lot. A lot.
2: Yeah, and so intersectionality is basically the idea that, like, everyone's so unique and... Every part of you, like, adds something different. So, you're not just defined by your whiteness. Or you're not just defined by your gender. Or you're not just defined by your last name. Um, you're defined by everything in it. It's so unique. Um, it's just... It's an interesting concept. It um, and it brings light to, like... To recognizing the truth behind, like, things that we do, right? So, um, recognizing... Why someone might not get a job, or recognizing why someone might be in a certain situation. It gives you a different perspective. It lends a hand to, to recognizing the individuality of everyone.
1: I think that is very wise and almost the basic roots of why we have the separation. It's almost that distortion and division that has ruled over our lives for maybe, I don't know, 2,000 years, probably even longer. Like, this is where people began to think they're more valued. Than
2: I think that's really interesting i mean with again with the dumbass gender roles, right like c- certain men certain boys are brought up to think that their purpose is to provide and serve and protect to and please. to please and whatever and if they're and also to be strong mm. and like the definition that society has like as- ascribed to strong is impermeable so, like, your emotions we shouldn't see them. you shouldn't be crying. you shouldn't be upset. um you why are you showing like immense happiness like for men specifically? um mm. I mean, obviously, it's like literally the opposite for women, like the stereotype is that we're so emotional, whatever,
1: right, there, but there could almost be a balance between that. so like men <coughs> men who don't have their mother's impact in their life that they're gonna naturally have that discrepancy against women mm-hmm. right. And then we see this disconnect between like the two genders. I I can't put in the words mm-hmm. like what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say here. But oh, come to me. Okay. So.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you make resources taboo. Mm-hmm. On top of that, and you make like the whole mental health conversation taboo. And it's like, okay, well, you're putting me into a box, right? Like you're putting a man, you're putting men into a box that why? Like, why are you doing that? And then you're telling them, you're locking the box, basically. With, like, you're gatekeeping all these, like, resources. You're saying that, like, men shouldn't cry. Like, why are people, like, why do you need therapy? Like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean, like, everyone needs therapy? Loki. Like, therapy plug for everyone. But, like, yeah. It's putting people into boxes that, like, kills them. Mm -hmm. Like, and then, yeah, just... The gender roles, too. It just, it fucks everyone over. Like, why are we, why do we even need gender roles? Like, what if I want to be in a relationship where, like, I am, like, the breadwinner and, like, I want my partner to, like, do something else. Or, like, my partner wants to do something else, rather. Not I want my partner. But, like, yeah. whatever my partner wants to do, like, they'll do that. You know? Like, and fuck a gender role. And, like, fuck, like, getting help being something that's, like, raising eyebrows or, like, something that's behind closed doors, like. And, and that goes into, like, the overall putting people in boxes and, like, how um that works for every group of people. Like, mm-hmm. every group of people is put into a box and that box has expectations. Interesting. Um, In, like, this book cast, this is um, by Isabel Wilkerson. Um, it's, like, Oprah's book club 2020 this is all about boxes um particularly the like caste system based on race in america Mm. um but it just does a disservice to everyone it does a disservice to society as a whole um and what it does feed into are the systems that are we're operating under the systems that are making the boxes um so, it compares the caste system of India to the caste system of Nazi Germany and the Third Reich and the caste system in America. And, obviously, America is not usually described as a caste system, um, but when it's compared through these 12 um, pillars that she Wilkerson describes in the book, you can really see the similarities. And one thing that, like, blew my mind in it was that, like, it's, it's this quote. Um, I'll find it. But it's if I can't find it, I can say it in my head, but it's that Hitler like marveled at the American knack for maintaining an air of robust innocence in the wake of mass death. Like, yeah, it's fucking insane. Like, um, like they, like the Nazis and Hitler took inspiration from Southern American law in, to implement in their purification process. Um, and like they had a, They had a more lenient, for the Nuremberg laws, Mm. uh, they had more lenient laws that describe what a Jew is than what we had as what a black person is. Oh. Okay, ours was one drop of African American blood, and theirs was like, I don't know, like uh, something with the descent of the people, but it's just fucking insane. Um, Serious. And like, all of these, like, these boxes and like are just they're just they're not helping anyone mm-hmm. um, and back in the
1: what I'm looking for. it's like a conceptualization of trying to understand yourself when you really you're so much more than what we are physically mm-hmm. And I think each of us has the duality of gender so like even though I'm a male I'm still gonna have these female sides yeah And when I realize that and I accept that as truth, then I can empathize with that because you are me essentially. Yeah. We are one. Yeah. We are both similar. The same. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And because we are, we're we're made of the same shit, of the same divine materials you'd say. Mm -hmm. Um, and putting expectations on people to do certain things it's just like
1: creating more suffering than it is helping.
2: Right. Like, let's just be like, let's just do what we want and like all like follow what we care about and have the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would be so like our, our society would be fucking sick. I mean, I'm sure we'd still have like problems cuz we, we're was, human, like
1: following but their passions. Yeah. Yeah, that would be Yeah. That'd be awesome. And
2: it do. was all okay and like there was no societal expectations for anyone. Yeah. Um but I mean, the whole you said something about individuality earlier. Mhm. Um and like how m- for we were talking about men, like in suicide rate, mm-hmm. how like it was I don't know what you said something about how that relates to individuality.
1: I don't know. Um, like the disconnectedness? between. Yeah, three. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. disconnection. Um, That literally is capitalism. Capitalism is individuality. Capitalism, that's the point of it, is that you are a person and you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, by yourself, you're self-made, and you are going to go get success by yourself. And you're in competition with every person around you. Like me and you are competitors right now. We're not on the same team. Even though we are on the same team. We are. It's a facade. It is. It's totally a facade that helps certain people and doesn't help others. So, yeah. Fuck capitalism.
3: <laughs>
2: I think,
1: yeah. There could be balance. If we balanced <laughs> yeah. it, then it's not fuck capitalism, but it's out of balance. And yeah. to create that balance would take immense amounts of work. And as a whole, we're not ready for that yet. Eventually. Yeah
2: i feel like we're kind of like moving backwards
1: a little bit it does a little bit especially with ai like we're trying to reconnect <laughs> with what we come from right and we're creating this new thing that isn't a part of us but it's a part of us because we have that cell phone uh-huh. because we're constantly watching television getting entertained by our cell phones tv anything
2: would you say that cell phones are an extension of you oh. and like your consciousness
1: Maybe not consciousness, but it's an extension of you. Um, Why not your consciousness? I mean, I guess it could be your consciousness because it does learn, like, your habits.
2: And, like, you have memories on that phone. You do? Like, if you, like, uh, this one example was um, an old man with dementia. Mm -hmm. He writes everything down in his notebook. Everything. As soon as he thinks it, he writes it down so that he knows that it's there, right? His consciousness is that notebook, arguably. His thoughts, everything are in that notebook that in, and like he looks to his notebook as his brain, wow. his brain transfers everything to the notebook and the notebooks an extension of his consciousness and his self. And that's obviously not confined to paper and pencil like that could be translated to an iPhone or yeah. whatever. I mean, they're doing fucking chips and people now. Um, yeah, but like an extension of it, like I wouldn't remember a lot of the stuff if I didn't have my phone. Mm. So
1: yeah, I c- we're that's already a, merging we're Holy already
2: shit. merging <laughs> with AI shit
1: yeah, we are mm-hmm. the next step is scary and I hope it doesn't really come into fruition honestly. yeah yeah yeah
2: I, I don't know though I mean people are that's like the I mean um, aside from um, mass weapons of destruction, mm-hmm. um, that's like a big biggest threat honestly it would be like cybersecurity, and like i don't know if i'm like concerned as much about like robots as i am like people being able to manipulate technology mm. to do things there's there was this thing about weak ai and strong ai mm. and there was like so weak ai is a ai that can imitate Humans, It can imitate consciousness. It can imitate thoughts, but it's not imitating thoughts. I mean, it it isn't creating thoughts. It's just imitating thoughts. That's weak AI. And there's there's this theory that, like, you can have a strong AI that creates thoughts and creates things instead of imitates them. Mm -hmm. Um, And there hasn't really been a good argument for strong AI. There's been some arguments against it saying that – AI basically it's so systematic that like if you put 10 in there, it's taking 10 as, like, a symbol. It's not taking 10 as, like, you have 10 things. Wow. So, like, the difference between us and AI is that we have experiences, and AI is imitating, like, an input for an output. Like, mm. it's so systematic. There's no meaning, and that's, like, the hard problem of... That relates to the hard problem of consciousness, of why why do we have experience? What does spe- experience do for our consciousness? Mm. Like, why do we even need experience and stuff? And and that's... A, a hopeful distinction between us and AI is that AI can't do that.
1: It can't experience.
2: It can't experience. It can learn through other (coughs) like symbols, but it can't experience. Wow. Can I go to the bathroom?
3: Yeah, for sure.
1: In the hallway, you saw the hallway. That's all like the stuff that's going in my van.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Are you? I showed you pictures of that. Yeah. When are you planning on doing that?
1: Uh, it's been a whole process. I started it back in the end of July, like this first week of August. And it's taken a lot more work. Like just ripping, like gutting the entire van was a huge pain. Are
2: you like furnishing it? Yeah. Oh, fuck.
1: Yeah. I put up walls, insulation. Dang. Uh, I did the floors. Wow. Um, yeah. That was, a, that was, that was a pain.
2: And cause you gotta be crouched the whole time.
1: Yeah. You can't stand all the way up. Have so you I done it all by
2: yourself? Pretty uh, much.
1: A lot of it, yeah. Nick helps me when he can. but And
2: you're just going to go. Like a cr- you're just going to go. I'm just going to go. Fire. Yeah. That's fucking
1: sick. It is. It is. Um, I'm so excited. But there's also preparation steps mentally. And, like, obviously, I'm going to need some money for that. Right, so. right. You're, you can't just. Yeah. You can't just,
0: just get up and leave.
1: Peace. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So you're going by yourself?
1: Yeah. I, I'm going by myself, but I think I'm going to fly some people out. Okay. To, like. You know wherever let, you are let them see the west too like experience too yeah and they'll have somewhere to stay right and i'll also be able to experience them around me right while i'm also going through this how this long are see.
2: you like planning on doing it going on your trip
1: i think i'm leaving in march and come back in may
2: <gasps> oh wait so two months march april and, may yeah. end of may three two two may. three months so
1: yeah march april may so like damn. two and a half three damn yeah Yep.
2: That's a long time.
1: It is. <laughs> Hopefully I can see everything I want to see Hell yeah. I don't I don't think I'll be able to see it. You
2: gonna go East Coast tour at all or just west?
1: I think just west for now. Yeah. My brother lives in New York City. Oh. So if I wanted to You I, could. I could go out there and visit with him, which I may do like end of February, just for like a week.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But that'd be a huge switch up going from the East Coast, New York City life. Right. A couple of weeks. Van short, life. <laughs> then going to van life, yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: that's so cool though. Mm-hmm. It's ballsy.
1: Are you trying to travel anywhere?
2: Yeah, actually. Um, my, so my roommate Marissa, she's going to Switzerland, um, in the spring for study abroad. Whoa. So she, her visa doesn't end till July, like end of July. So I'm going to go out there after I take my LSATs. It's like a little congratulations to myself present and I'm going to go to Switzerland for like a week and probably going to travel out there. I took like this intercultural development or intercultural competency test okay. um, and it's it's like you get your score and it's like a scale, and there's like um, I think it starts with polarization minimization, and then acceptance. There might be one before polarization, but it's polarization minimization, and acceptance, and you're trying to get to acceptance. Right um or I'm at polarization right now Nice. um so which like a lot of people overestimate how culturally competent they are and I did too um mm-hmm. and I'm not that culturally competent I when you're at polarization you do like tend to like see the divisions um you recognize differences which is good but you do tend to see the divisions um and like for me mine's like I'm extremely critical of like my own culture and like America. Mm -hmm. So that's where that, um,
1: so you think seeing a new culture across the seas is going to open up your perspective. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm,
2: my tendency is just to criticize like where we are and I don't necessarily have any perspective to like compare the criticism to. Uh Um, so a lot of times I think that makes my opinions unbalanced and, skewed and biased towards criticizing america I,
1: don't know. I think it's good to criticize though I think it you is have that. like it is you don't get complacent that way and you don't go into the system and you st- yeah the questioning back to the whole questioning yeah yeah
2: it's definitely good to criticize it but
1: is. once once the criticism starts being, harming you
2: and being overbearing like back with the balance idea um If you're just criticizing all the time, you're going to be in a constant state of, like, fuck. Yeah. Not really happy. Not very optimistic. Um, But if you balance that with, I don't like this about my culture, but I appreciate this. It's like, okay, well, that's a valid concern. That's a valid dislike, but there's also a valid like. Like, You can like something that goes with something that you don't don't necessarily like.
1: I found it, I don't know, I found it hard to... (laughs) find that goodness sometimes. Yeah. Like, especially when I'm searching for the truth and I'm mm-hmm. seeing like all the times that the truth has been covered up by like half truths. Yeah. Where like one side of the perspective is told. Yep. It's just hard to find. <coughs> it's hard to find good in, in it sometimes, but you gotta, you gotta dig and you gotta find it. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's also can kind of confusing too, because truth is like, su- in one way it's objective and in one way it's super subjective. hmm so, like, finding the, the middle ground between what you're going to take as a fact and then analyzing what a fact is.
1: Right. I can see that. It's interesting. Especially when we're talking about recycling. Oh, my God. Okay. To call plastics recyclable is hearsay. Yeah. It's bullshit. Like, 9.5% was the highest recycle rate ever in America for plastics. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2014. And that entire year, we exported over 3 million tons to different countries. The plastic. A plastic.
2: Plastics can kill us. They're going to kill
1: us. Did, did you hear about the study in Netherlands where they took the blood samples?
2: And the only person that didn't have it was like a deceased soldier before a certain war.
1: Whoa, well, I didn't hear about that one.
2: Oh, yeah. That uh, was... This is probably along the same lines, though. Yeah,
1: maybe. The NF-22 study, so like 22 people got their blood drawn. Okay. 17 of those 22 came out with microplastics in their blood. Yeah. And is that the same study as the one that you're speaking about?
2: Mm, I don't know if it's the exact same one, but it's the same premise. Um,
1: Essentially, they found no trace of them in a dead soldier from...
2: And that was the only... The only specimen, the only like data point that didn't that they took, and they oh fuck
3: Joe was
1: telling me yesterday that they also found it in a woman's placenta, yeah, it's going into
2: your babies,
1: it's going into your babies and like they and
2: like we're getting it through like they're feeding microplastics to our livestock and and we're ingesting the livestock, so anything that they used in us, mm. it's like. How did they not see this coming? Like we know fucking biology, like we know ecology and how like trophic systems work and how like magnification works within like for certain like things, um, and it magnifies as you get higher up the food chain, mm. and we're the highest in the food chain, so we fucking ourselves. We are. Which is, like, kind of the whole premise of everything, right? We're just fucking ourselves yeah, with this with this made-up, like... Facade. Yeah. This society that we've made.
1: Yeah. Definitely. And What... Where's the balance with plastics? Okay. Like, sure, I understand that some things do need to be made of it, maybe. Uh, because it is pretty good at not contaminating, I believe. And... But there's... The substances that are made... Of those like the the pets and there's like a FPET or something those are the ones that generally have the most microplastics that do pollute water human blood and more but i don't know i just i can't find the balance in the usage of them
2: um but i think do you think it's because it's just so unnatural
1: uh, plastics themselves yeah yeah
2: um like the natural balance would be none
1: would be none right
2: um so okay. and we're already like and because you can't they don't fucking go away they're basically forever like not forever but like they're long ass time are forever mm-hmm. um the balance is already fucked and then we're making more it's like yeah, it, they're, they're going to permeate everything, every organism, every like ecosystem, every habitat, everything.
1: So to completely cut it out of our life now, though, is basically impossible.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the manufacturing of it, to stop that isn't impossible. But if you're going up against, like, oil oil everything that needs it that needs okay. it with air quotes because like there are alternatives they just more fucking expensive yeah there are alternatives it's just harder to make like, like
1: cardboard like we see a lot of cardboard uh juice boxes and cardboard containers now right mm-hmm. like not even boxes but stuff that you can hold liquid in yeah like yeah, that's
3: good. Mm-hmm.
2: But that also poses a question of the chemicals that they use on the cardboard, oh. um, like the Teflon shit. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, have you seen the movie Dark Waters? No, I haven't. Um, I well, uh, I haven't actually watched it. I watched a documentary on YouTube that was about the real story. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, it was it, um, it was a lawyer from Cincinnati, um, and it was DuPont. It was a DuPont case. Um, they were creating Teflon, which... That was the study. It was Teflon.
1: Oh, the one that... Teflon. They found in one... Yes,
2: place. and it was before it was created. And now every person has shit like Teflon in it. And Teflon's now like you can't produce Teflon but if you just tweak one thing about it it basically creates the same component and because substances in America are innocent until proven guilty and it takes a lot to prove them guilty before by the time you prove them guilty the impact's gone the impact's done yeah. it's it, 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 everyone has it um so like it was on like the inside of pizza boxes uh every, it, those juice boxes that you're talking about it's the chemical like the coating mm-hmm. that like pans nonstick pans um is on those like so we're ingesting this every Day, so it's like, it's like, yes, it's kind of like they're both so bad. Like, the balance, I guess, would be the balance between the two evils Hmm. because
1: you almost have to ingest it at that point. It's something, you have to find
2: something, whether it's plastic, whether it's Teflon, whether it's uh, I don't know, something else like. Yeah, low-key. In the world that we've created, it, it, you can't, unless you literally go off the grid, there's no way for you to not. I mean, the fruits that we are um, coated in wax sometimes, yep, um, like every the, the things that they spray on our food, like the pesticides and pesticides, all that shit. The uh, natural,
1: they're un, un, unorganic fertilizers that they use to give more life to the soil so that our plants can grow.
2: Which, Which is funny because it kills the soil.
1: It kills the soil. And in the Midwest, we had one of the richest soils. And we have absolutely fucked it.
2: Dude, yeah. There is no nutrients in our soils now. But also because they went away from like sustainable agriculture. Mm. And they just started mass fucking producing shit. And yep. over half of that shit goes to livestock. It wow. doesn't go to people. Because wow. livestock, that's why... like. Yeah, there's ethical um, implications to eating like pig and um, cows because alone they produce a fuck ton of um, methane, mm-hmm. fuck ton of carbon, um, <coughs> just by greenhouse tooting. grasses,
1: just Yeah, by and, breathing and,
2: and then and they need a fuck ton of water, mm-hmm. and then you need a fuck ton of water to grow the plants, and you also need a lot of land, and you also need a lot of fertilizer because that's how they do that now, and that takes up so much space when we could be doing so much with that space for humans, but we do it for livestock and then we kill the livestock and then there's a whole other process that goes with it, obviously, to get it to your table looking yeah. like not a cow. <laughs> um, but wait, how do we
3: get on this topic? Uh,
1: soil crisis. We started plowing. I think it was like 10 inches of the soil to turn it over each year. And back to the first topic that we were on. The mushrooms, okay? When the mushroom networks are in the ground, it naturally produces organic soil. It naturally fertilizes. It naturally gives the symbiotic relationship for these plants to find new nutrients, to strive to the best and the fullest that it can. Mm -hmm. And we have totally, like digging down 10 inches, plowing. Ruins all those networks. Fucks fucks all those networks up.
3: Yeah. It's horrible.
2: And they're like not, like they're just, they're planting corn on corn on corn on corn. Okay, Mm. well, you need to switch that fucking up. You need to plant something else other than corn because the corn is taking all the nutrients and you're planting more corn, which needs the same nutrients that the corn previously already took. So now you have to supplement it with fake nutrients. And then the vicious cycle continues.
1: It continues. And the first thing that the Christopher Columbus story told that the natives taught us when we came over... Was feeding the soil by giving it, you know, nutrients again, which they put like dead fish underneath the corn crops, right? And also crop rotation. Those mm-hmm. are the two things. Yep. And we didn't even listen to that.
2: Nope. That that's why. Have you seen uh, Love, Death, Robots episode about the yogurt?
1: I don't think I have. No.
2: Oh, you should wa- you should listen or watch that because okay. it. It's funny. I won't spoil it, but basically, it's like this like mm-hmm. yogurt like compound that like basically creates, like they become like really smart and stuff. And it's it's you should watch it. It's only like six minutes long. It's on oh, Netflix.
1: Yeah. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Um, what was it called again?
2: Love, Death, Robots. Um, and the episode is called like When Yogurt Took Over or something. <laughs> okay. Um. But yeah, like, what does that say about humans just naturally deviating from any plan? just like doing what they think is best
1: yeah listening to that ego
2: yeah but yeah um microplastics are fucking us up among like and like agricultural runoff Mm. also just like destroying the river ecosystems and um the like wetlands and like everything else is just like there's so many chemicals so many chemicals it causes algae blooms mm. suffocates everything under the surface of the water um no sunlight in the water because the algae just booming mm. um blooming but Bloomin'. yeah it causes a lot of environmental problems and it's interesting to think to see how environmental problems mm-hmm. uh conjunct with like social justice problems um they're very closely connected it's so interesting like environmental health like like um just like to see who is like inflict who like has to deal with these problems is interesting and like how they conveniently like intertwine yeah and that's what's scary about it too because it's like the people that are making decisions aren't affected by it so they don't understand the severity and so they're not, like, acting with the correct amount of force or vigor. Hmm. And then we get unsatisfactory solutions that just don't do anything or don't do anything well. Um, but, yeah.
1: I'm curious, like, what the difference in the food is that, like, the multimillionaires, the billionaires are getting <laughs> fed compared to us. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm super curious. And... I mean it might be a conspiracy, but at the same time, like
3: I mean if
1: they have the money and they have the land and they have all this, like the connections, like where they can pure food.
2: I mean, yeah. Like almost all Americans are like magnesium deficient. Mm. Um because they And
1: iron deficient and vitamin C deficient.
2: Yeah. And we basically just like and like half of the shit that we eat is like wheat and corn. Mm. Like the burgers at McDonalds, that's what they're fucking made out of and some chemicals.
3: I haven't had that.
1: McDonald's burger in at least a decade. I had
2: some nuggets the other week. I caved. Um, But, yeah, the food, it's... It's sad. And, like, we have access to food, right? But, like, so many people don't have access to, like... We have access to a grocery store, like, with fresh food. Mm -hmm. There are so many food deserts out there. Mm. Like in America and in the world like people don't have access to fresh food they have access to boxed food canned food and like bad food basically like health wise mm-hmm. um,
1: even in America we see that like people are eating all this junk food <coughs> and then it's blocking these natural systems that occur in mm-hmm. our bodies to you know create dopamine yeah. create natural endorphins that promote good things in our body but it's shutting those pathways off yeah like especially when you're spiritually awakening i say with quotations just um, uh, when one of the things you have to do is you have to purify your your eating habits you have mm-hmm. to go vegetarian basically because the stuff that is in the meat just is not yeah it blocks it blocks the the pathways and
2: yeah yeah oh, and i wonder like how like ethical Ethical things play a role into like a spiritual journey Hmm. or pathway, if that does at all.
1: Like, if the cows are suffering when they're being killed, like maybe that could affect.
2: Yeah. And then you're complicit in that. And then, like, I wonder if that would like block it indirectly. That's a good question. Um, because there is really no like true ethical way to, like, unless. I don't know,
3: Just hunting and gathering. Yeah,
2: I was going to say, unless you do it, yeah, the natural, like, going back to the sustainable practices, like, Mm. if you're doing that sustainably, like, okay, but we're not doing it sustainably (laughs) when we buy it from the grocery store.
1: No. No, not at all. That disconnection. We're just so used to having that food on our plate.
3: Yeah.
2: Just having it. It definitely plays into, like, we're not eating the same things as Elon
1: Musk. I don't think so.
2: No. I don't know what Elon Musk would eat, though. I
1: don't know. I
3: like <laughs>
2: Fucking weird guy. shit. What? Noodles?
1: Yeah, but he looks
3: noodles. Really? Probably.
2: Probably like spaghetti.
1: <laughs> Bee pollinization station. So, the whole concept of it is for a safe place for bees to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Paul Stamets, the guy that I mentioned in the beginning, uh, world-renowned mycologist, he discovered that there's this mushroom. um, I believe it is the Garku mushroom, a garaku mushroom. But basically, it strengthens the bee's immune system. And one of the things that kills the bees is this Varroa mite. And it'll go into the hive, and it'll push the bees out. Um, And basically, all the bees will then decolonize and try to find a new hive which then they have to restart and other bees get left behind because they can't make it out or Mm -hmm. they can't they just they die Um, so that's a huge issue and with this one I want to make it totally like recycled materials Mm -hmm. like um, these things here are the the barrel uh, the wire uh, the wire wheels—I don't remember what they're called exactly—but you stack those up, and you put the flower beds on there. Right? Oh. Yeah. So then you have that, and then on top of the the soil would be like mulch, because these uh, the mushrooms that grow are uh, they grow on trees or they grow on dead trees or the bark. Mm-hmm. So you have to imitate that. You have to imitate that, and then when the bees go to pollinate. The mushroom source is also right there. So then they go to the mushroom, they suck the mycelium, put it in their system, and they—it's like almost like a vaccination for them,
2: for against the mites.
1: Against the mites, and then they don't decolonize. They don't get taken over by that, and essentially we save the bees.
2: That's so cool. So, where? So then they create their hives like on the beam part. They
1: could. Or they wouldn't even have to do that. Um, they could have a. Hives somewhere completely separate. Mm. This is just like a little stop and just a little, little safe spot for them to go. I like that. That's yeah. really cool. It is.
2: Bees are so important. They are. They're like really fucking important. Like we wouldn't be alive without bees.
1: Yeah. Uh, back to the soil crisis. Yeah. Bees not naturally pollinate obviously all the plants that farmers are growing, and in China, <laughs> in China they actually started hand pollinating plants because. They didn't have enough bees. No way. Yeah, they would go there with a paintbrush and put a little bit of pollen, pollen inside the flowers. Wow. Mm Hmm. I don't know the statistics exactly, but I believe it is in the seventy percentile that uh, wild bees uh, pollinate the agriculture in the in the United States. Yeah. So that's a huge percentage, but those bees are slowly dying off. Right. Mm -hmm. Scary
2: it's very scary
1: yeah
2: yeah because we don't have enough people i mean we kind of do have enough people to hand pollinate but we're (laughs) not gonna do that
1: no it's not very efficient Mm -mm. and why would we do that when we have these natural little guys who do that who help us
2: and help everything else Mm -hmm. like we're just the last stop but like everything else has helped along the way
1: yeah we're we're the intrusive species
2: we are we are or the invasives.
1: The invasives. Fuck. Uh, you posted on your story when you went to a museum a couple weeks ago <coughs> that was about the environment. It was like, we all have role, mm. right? Which was it? Um,
2: Was it like that quote, like a painting?
1: Yeah. It was like, we have one purpose in this life, and that's to protect the planet. That gives us life. Something like that.
2: Everybody, every human being has a obligation to contribute somehow to this world. There you go. By Edith Carter. It was at the Holocaust and Humanity Center. In Cincinnati. In Cincinnati. Yeah. That was a really cool museum. But um yeah, that's that's kind of what we literally that's what we do have thing. I mean, we're animals and um like the the whole point of each like species existence is like to help the next generation of that species to thrive
1: to thrive to live to learn to evolve
2: Mm -hmm. thank you (coughs) seems like you got a lot of it figured out too a good amount maybe you can meet some people yeah give you some money to make that get the little prototype or something
1: yeah that's another thing like uh, the ethicality behind like non-profits nowadays like especially since the blm finally Mm -hmm. came to light like how many people like S- almost second guess themselves when donating to charities and donating to these nonprofits. Yeah, like
2: greed has ruined it.
1: It has. It puts a bad light into organiza- help. Organizations that are actually trying to help. Yeah. But then you have like these bad ones that make it seem like
2: ruin it. Ruin weird. the stereotype for all of them.
1: Yeah.
3: Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But you could get like a person to fund it. I'm mm-hmm. sure. Like you wouldn't, like you could like do something with that. If you have like all this shit figured out, like measurements and stuff when you're on your trip, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. But
1: yeah. Yeah. It would have like a whole uh, like water recycling system. Oh shit. Down here. So like there'd be like a drain off to the left or right. And then it can collect rainwater and then feed it up back through. It'd be uh-huh. cool
2: if you could put an aquarium at the bottom, and then like <laughs> it'd be like a recycling, because then the plants would feed off like the fish, with the fish discreet, and then the fish would feed off the plants.
1: Well. that'd be really cool.
2: I don't know. Maybe like a deluxe version or something.
1: <laughs> deluxe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, uh, Second
2: edition.
1: <laughs> that'd be awesome.
2: When did you like start to get like into like that environmental stuff?
1: Probably. After senior year of high school, uh, probably, like, after COVID. Because COVID, like, started raising all the questions for me for real. Yeah. I was so pissed off that my baseball season got canceled. Um, I was pissed off that just the way that society was... Reacting. Reacting and w- the stuff that we did to not prevent COVID mm-hmm. in a way. You know, like, the that were in place there... Uh, the stuff that happened during that summer mm-hmm. with the George Floyd, yeah, everything just
2: collapsed. It
1: collapsed, and my entire world shook. And I, had, I just started asking myself questions, like, mm-hmm. mm. like why, why,
2: like why we do shit like this. Yeah,
1: like seek the truth. That's my big thing. Like seek the truth. Yeah, find your truths and ground yourself that way. Yeah, I mean, we used to butt heads all the time in high school just because we had different perspectives, which yeah. I was conditioned into those perspectives. I didn't truly understand why I was saying them. I was just, yeah. that's what I was told.
2: Same a lot of the time. Yeah. It sucks, though, when you, like, don't know everything and then you're asked that one question and it's like, fuck. I don't know. Like, I can't back this up.
3: Mm.
2: And then it makes you just think about it in a different way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if my perspectives, I think, like, I hold the same, like, values and, like, the same ideas, but I think that, my what I what I blame is different. Like, what I think the big problems are are different than what I did then. And I also think that I'm trying to, like, move to that um, minimization, or, er, yeah, minimization scale mm-hmm. on that, like, cultural competence, so. Yeah. working is to not blame people for what they say or what they think
3: Mm.
2: or like judge them because like that's just their lived experience like their lived experience has taught them that so like learning to not like crucify people based on something that i might not agree with just being less intense about it um and then like when you're talking to people just like knowing that you're not going to convince anyone of anything Mm. And that it's not a debate. It should be a conversation because debates are never helpful or productive. Like, you end up walking away pissed off, not like with like knowledge that you didn't have before.
1: Definitely. You're more fixated on your side than actually listening to Mm -hmm. the other side and trying to find the balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: I don't know. I think it also comes with like age a little bit, like maturity a little bit from high school. It's just like, so, like, we're in bubbles, and like, this is what I think, and I know a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as you start to lo- know more, you realize that you don't know as much as you thought you knew.
3: <laughs> Definitely.
1: One of the things, um, like during that COVID, I went to your house one day because we were having like a little get together, and I don't know if you noticed in your neighborhood, there's that deaf child yes. area. Yes, it's yeah. not here, right? and that's like something that. I grounded myself, too, because it's honestly like a double entendre. So, like, obviously there's deaf Mm -hmm. deaf children, and it's so sad, but then there's also these deaf children who were only told things, and then that's, like, the only truth that they know, and that's, like, the only perspective that they have. So they're truly Why? Why? Because their parents condition them this way, or society condition them this way, and, like, it's tough when you're... 12, 13 to ask those questions and it's tough to break out of like the way that you are
2: that's interesting that you say that but how does that relate to their deafness
1: because they're deaf to everything that's actually happening around them and like the truth of life
3: like Me. you know I'm I mean? gonna play devil's advocate here okay um,
2: I don't think that I think that there you have five senses and if you don't have one of those senses, like your other senses are going to be like, you're relying on those other senses. So it's not like they don't have sight. Like they can read, they can write, Mm -hmm. um, they can speak. Some of them can speak. Um, but there's other ways of communicating and gaining information that don't have to deal with hearing it. Um, and so I don't necessarily think that their freedom or, path to asking questions and finding their own truths like is necessarily hindered in in an immense way it's definitely i mean i'm i'm sure that it's harder but i don't think that it's like debilitating in that way um
1: i'm talking more in like a metaphoric sense of children being deaf to what the actual real world is like not like deaf children themselves but like me as a child Mm-hmm. I was ignorant to what was actually Oh, happening. shit. I thought well, you
2: were talking about deaf children. No. Nah, oh, nah, I was I just, like, damn. Just like, like little... seeing
1: that sign, like just in my mind, I was like, that's a play on words. In a oh, way.
2: yeah, because all children are necessarily deaf because they're only
1: fed information that their parents have or that they're taught in school. Yeah. So then I, that got me into music. So my producer cool. is deaf child area, DCA.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's sick.
1: That's pretty cool. Right? Yeah, yeah. I never knew
2: what that stood for.
1: Yep, deaf child area.
2: I like it. Mm-hmm. I like the meaning behind that. Thanks. Was it? Did it start from that sign? Did it really? That sign, yeah. That's so funny. It
1: is. It is.
2: Hmm. Introspective. Hmm.
1: But yeah, and just the. Oh, sorry. My friend. Uh, the. Uh, the friend group that we had like, throughout high school, like, obviously played a huge impact on the way that I grew up, and, yeah. yeah. It was a blessing. Our
2: friend group was nice. It was. It had some issues, but it was cool.
1: Yeah. Definitely. And I liked how we all had, like, different perspectives, but yet we still got along really well, and, like, we still enjoyed, like, the present moment.
2: Yeah, I agree. And it was kind of nice, because, like, there were so many of us that, like you got so many, like, different vibes. So many.
1: Different personalities. Yeah,
2: so many different personalities. Mm-hmm. Kind of fell, fell apart there at the end, though.
3: Yeah, I did. <laughs> that was <laughs> tough. Took a tumble.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's okay. I still see Megan sometimes.
1: Yeah, me too. But, I, yeah, I saw her last week. Oh, really? At a Christmas party, yeah.
2: Nice. That was cool. Yeah. I see Jack, but don't really see anyone else i don't see anyone else actually anymore
3: <laughs> but
2: that's crazy it is
1: yeah. well i'm glad that we did this yeah thanks for having me of course it's uh, cool yeah definitely have to keep working together and keep our uh communication lines
2: Hell oh, yeah i want to get updates on this bee. what's it called
1: uh b call bee sanctuary, bee sanctuary. Yeah, colonization. you should
2: something about immunity
1: immunity Yeah,
3: actually no, <laughs> don't say that. Don't mess me.